Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bachman, and I am a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we read and unpack the Bible together with the goal of knowing Jesus better. Go figure. On today's episode, we're reading John chapter 1, verses 35 through 50. And the main themes are Jesus calling his disciples and how they interact with meeting the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Verse 49. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The passage starts with John the Baptist recognizing and calling out that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples then start following Jesus. They pursue him. They spend time with him. (laughs) We don't know all that is said, but it's amazing that after a short interaction with Jesus, Andrew cannot wait to tell his brother. Do you see the multiplying effect? Andrew tells Peter. Well, first, sorry. John the Baptist tells his two disciples. Andrew then tells Peter. Philip has to find Nathaniel. People encounter Jesus or hear about Jesus and find him for themselves. And then they spread the message. I find it necessary to emphasize the relational dynamics, the excitement, the joy, the hope, all of the good things that are what inspire these young men to tell their friends, their family about Jesus. As we will find out later, these men had a very incorrect understanding of the Christ and the Messiah. 
They thought he was going to be a conquering king who was going to deliver them from the oppression of Rome. And even though they came following him under false pretenses and their hearts were shattered and their dreams were crushed, one, they did not lose faith. They got to know Jesus enough that even though their man-made political version of Jesus failed, that he was still greater than they imagined. And number two, even though they had false pretenses, Jesus didn't say, hey, you guys, you're all following me for the wrong reasons. And so actually you can't follow me. You're wrong. We tend to emphasize the law and all the things that say a Christian, quote unquote, should be like. And yet we put this burden on people that Jesus didn't put on the people he was talking to. Is the law of God true and good and the way to human flourishing? Yes. Does Jesus command and say that this is how people come to know him is that they have to follow the law first? No. So as we see, Andrew, Peter, they all, they have to tell someone about this Jesus they meet. Again, I'm not going to lie. I really wish I could see and hear the conversations that he had with these people. Like, how in the world is it like five minutes, 20 minutes, a day, a couple of days? What transpires that they have to tell everyone they know about Jesus? This reminds me of when I first came to know Jesus. I'll share my full story at a later date, but for now, uh, I was miserable and depressed basically my entire life. I met Jesus in college. He radically affected my heart. I experienced his love in a very tangible way. And I noticed changes take place in my heart. And as a result, I found myself doing things I never thought I would do. I want to share two stories with you. One, involving my dad, of whom we had a rocky relationship. And two, a complete stranger, as examples of how Jesus' love changed me, just like it did the disciples in the story we just read. At the time being, um, I had a very difficult relationship with my dad and was angry and frustrated at the amount of miscommunications, the amount of anger that I experienced on his end. And yet this love shortly after meeting God compelled me and basically said, I want you to pray for your dad. And I want to say on one hand, I was like, no, but then surprisingly, there was this other part of me that was like, you know, that sounds like a great idea. And that's the beauty (laughs) of the Holy Spirit working in us. Now, I get that not every time is it that simple. That God asks you to do something and it feels attractive even if there's resistance by our human nature. And yet I would argue that when I'm actually connected to God's love, following him and obeying him is way less of a chore than if I am just going through the motions of what I think I'm supposed to do as a Christian. His love fuels me. His love is the changing agent that makes things happen, internally and externally. Not only did I see this fruit develop, but I had this passion in myself. And I say this quite sad in one way, that I don't always have that passion the same way I did. When I first came to know Jesus, I told everyone about him. (laughs) And not everyone, that's a little hyperbole, but I was willing 
to be so open to anything and everything. I remember one time, I am a shy person. I don't like talking with people in the sense of small talk and, and taking risks. That's not just that's just not who I am. I remember being at Qdoba once, just enjoying um, a burrito. And all of a sudden, I was like, I really feel like I'm supposed to pray for the person that made my burrito. And I went over to them and I asked them, you know, this might seem really strange, but I just get this like energy, if you will, that that you could use some prayer. Is that true at all? And this person starts basically crying. And it was fascinating because here it is like the Lord orchestrating a moment. And I got to tell this person about Jesus. And now I can't say that that is an everyday thing in my life. I wish it was. But I share a story like that, not to make me look great, but as a reminder for myself, one, and then two, as a conversation piece. If we really experience the love of God, if we see and taste that he is good, as scripture says, if we are in relationship with him, shouldn't we want to tell other people? And I don't mean that from some kind of, let's just create an action plan and let's get it done. I mean, if you enjoy a movie, a sport, uh, something funny, something interesting, you can't help but want to tell other people. And that same principle applies with God. If we taste and see he is good, if we are connected in his love, we beam it, we show it, we can't help but talk about it. My heart is convinced that there is a deep lacking of the church understanding and living from the Father's love. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is for myself and for others to help seek and experience his love in a way that makes us want to tell people about the greatest being, the greatest God in the universe from a place of joy and delight and love. So in closing today, I want to just lead us in prayer. Um, If you find yourself here, as I have many times before, where I'm not experiencing God's love in a way that makes you want to share him, and I don't feel like I'm living as fully as I have been or ever have, then it's awesome to take that desire to him. It's a prayer that God absolutely will answer in time. And so here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open my heart, open our hearts to really see your tangible love, that you are a father. You call yourself father for a reason. You call us children for a reason. You call us sheep for a reason. You care so deeply about us. I pray that you would take away whatever idols that we place, whatever things we are looking for to satisfy us, to to fill that love void uh, with other than you things. I pray that you would lead us to experience your joy and your delight and your goodness in a way that makes us just joyful about sharing who you are, about talking about you, about thinking about you. I pray that your presence would be that loving embrace that we desperately need. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious, glorious name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to hear something you've learned or want to learn more about. You can share comments and continue the conversation on social media. Links are provided in the description. You may be wondering, hey, Brian, we're supposedly reading through the New Testament in five months, but you only cover 40 verses every other day. How is that possible? You, my friend, are observant. The short answer is we are building towards more content daily. 
But I also need your help. Liking, sharing, telling your friends are all very helpful. And the most helpful thing you can do is to become a supporter for as little as $4 a month. Thanks again for listening. And I can't wait to dive into more life-giving scriptures with you.